Hello, I'm David Hepworth. Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear, the latest of hundreds of chats Mark Allen and I have had over recent years, some between ourselves and others with musicians, authors, comedians, and other people we like. If you'd like to help make sure they continue, you might consider becoming a Patreon supporter by visiting patreon.com slash wordinyourear or just by liking or subscribing in whatever way you prefer. On with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Word is a proud media partner of Latitude Festival 2012. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. And that's really that weird different thing, is that you can see the little yeah, curtains. the curtains, and then above that yeah. is another circle yeah. where... The people that like tiny dots, the faces. Um, but what happened last night, and what we do is when we did rubber bullets right at the end, like all the lights were on, or the audience as well. And it's like suddenly we go, oh, amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah. But then you feel even closer to people because you can actually see them. Whereas when it's dark, they kind of sort of fade away. But it's a just, I mean, the atmosphere and the. Um, the ambience and the ambient sound in there is amazing, particularly for acoustic things as well. You it's, could never imagine it would. It's be. got its own reverberation. Because they've got those mushrooms on the ceiling. But yeah. even with that, it's so vast that there's going to be some uh, sort of ambience. Yeah. But it's a very nice ambience. How peculiar you never played it? I would have thought in all the time. This, by know. the way, we should introduce Graham Goodwill. Graham Goodwill. Sorry. Direct from the Albert Hall. Right. Direct from the album, yeah. not quite. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did sleep. It, was it? Wasn't it your your birthday last night? It was. Yeah. So was it was a actually a pure coincidence that the when I saw that the Albert Hall had come in, that gig had come in on my birthday. It was like amazing. Um, it was. We had a great night. Really Good. terrific. Good. It's fantastic to have you here. There's a traditional question yes. uh, that we tend to ask people, which is, what music can you remember growing up as a child playing in your house? Well, the um, I think it was then the the home service was on. It's, I can remember hearing sort of quite, sort of Ted Heath, big band. Oh music. yeah, that'd be the light program. Yeah, the light yeah. program. Uh, so it was. It, that's really what it was. And uh, I remember workers' playtime. Um, there was children's favourites with Uncle Mac, and that was quite an influential program because 
I mean, lyrically, you got things like, uh, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Yeah. I don't which, know why. She swallowed <laughs> a fly. Perhaps she'll, she'll die. die. Which goes on and on like that. <laughs> which has the greatest final line, is, which is, I know an old lady who swallowed a horse. She's dead. dead, of course. Of, of course. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the creature gets bigger and bigger, doesn't bigger it? Bigger and bigger. Find it fantastic. Then, it's so great. Um, and records like Danny Kaye's records. Um, oh, right, which ones? Uh, um, the Ugly Duckling. Yeah. Uh, Sparky's Magic Piano. Yeah, the Magic, magic Piano. The magic piano. So if you th- think about that now, they were sort of quite innovative yeah. Both uh, in their lyrical content and also the production of the records was phenomenal. Comedy Incredible. records, kind of, a lot of them were comedy records or drama records. That's so they right. had to be, didn't yeah, they? That's right. They were playing. They were painting uh, yeah. a picture with yeah. sound, were they? And then Burl Ives, I remember oh, Burl Ives. That's where I heard that. Yeah, uh, Spoiled a Fly. Song. Yeah, that's right. I've yeah, got, was, that's right. He yeah. did it. So, but you didn't have records in the house. No, uh, it was the radio. And when I was a young kid, I wanted to be a drummer. And I remember my mum had a a handbag that had a kind of a sort of serrated surface to it. And I used to get the clothes brushes and the... Clothes brushing your mother's handbag. <laughs> this is perfect. This is how it ought to be. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, it was a Ludwig handbag. <laughs> From these small acorns. <laughs> yes. Ludwig so handbag. So, so what about when you first got an instrument? Well, um, I, I wanted to be a drummer because I thought the drummers were the coolest people in the world, which they still are. But uh, it was not to be. Um... And I was bought a guitar by my cousin, Ronnie, my poor Ronnie, he died too early. Uh, He bought me a guitar back from Spain. I think it cost him probably not even a fiver. And the action on it was so awful, it was really difficult to play. However, I fell in love with it. And, um, well, that really was one of the major things that happened in my life. That and a combination of what was played on the radio with things like it really it was skiffle so it was homemade music it was the first time that you know you as a non-professional which also had an amazing boy. sound didn't yeah it? you know I, I i really take your point about those comedy records because mm. if you listen to things like right said fred yeah. produced by i think george martin wasn't it? it was produced you know, by george the, martin the, as a very small child that the the sound of you know piano legs being broken off and boards being footsteps yeah. coming footsteps and, yes. and rubble falling from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, it was so thrilling. Also, those stories, those songs rather told a story. That's right. And a lot of the songs that you wrote in the very early days, and a lot of the songs the groups were playing in our sixties mm. were weren't necessarily about themselves, were they? They were. They were kind of. They fantasies. were observations. Yeah, fantasies. Or I mean, some things were based on what a you know a real life experience. But you kind of you don't want to tell the whole story somehow. You know, you 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 twist it around a bit. So, what was the first song you wrote? Can you remember? I wrote a song called. It was a terrible song called "That's How It's Going Gonna." That's how it's gonna stay, not going to stay. Can you no, sing no, the first couple of let lines? Let me tell you about this love of mine. I've been loving her for a long, long time. I've been loving her for a long, long time. That's how it's gonna stay. Yes, nice. <laughs> that's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> people, we got ourselves a number one here. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, that was the first one, and then um, I, um, I guess, really, when I started listening to music seriously, there were people like, like the Animals being played, and the House of the Rising Sun had a massive effect on me because. If you, 
you know, there's like a chord sequence, like C A minor F G, which is a sort of kind of dum ba 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 dum ba, which to me was very sort of white and uh, almost sort of bubblegummy, like very sweet. Yes. Whereas the House of the Rising Sun, actually, the chords are well, the first two chords are actually the opposites. It goes from the minor to the relative major, as yes. opposed to the major to the relative minor. Are you getting this? No, oh, I'm getting this completely. <laughs> yeah, so all of a sudden, and this and was much more a, interesting to me. Well, isn't it? Yes, yeah. and this was much more interesting to me. Plus, I'd always been um, attracted to minor, minor keys and, and minor chords. They, they, I found them much more expressive. And so, uh, For Your Love, which was the first song that I wrote that became a hit... The first two chords are this sort of minor to the relative major. Yes, and um, I was sort of inspired Wasn't there <laughs> by a story? the Animals record. Didn't you? Now, am I right? You were in a group that played, I think, warm up on top of the pops or something. Mm. And your group was there the day the Yardbirds performed for your love. Yeah, song that's right. Yeah. It was what, the Mockingbirds. Was a very extraordinary. You were in the Mockingbirds. Extraordinary thing to see this this yes. hit group playing your song, and you are unknown. I, I was, standing in I'm the nothing. I'm nothing. Yeah, I know. What it was, was, it was like? weird. Well, it was it was very strange. Um, Top of the Pops came from uh, Dickinson Road in Manchester originally. Was and it a church hall? Or something? Yeah, it was. Those were the very first broadcasts. Yes, weren't they? Yes. So, what year are we talking eight? about for background? Is We're talking. Yes, sixty-three. No, sixty-five. Sixty-five. And they, I think they had various bands in to keep the, you know, as you say, a, a warm-up before the actual show started. And there I was with... Uh, to get the miniskirt girls dancing. and yeah. That's right. That was our job. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was a nice job, actually. And uh, so I was in a band with Kevin, the Mockingbirds. Um, Kevin Godley. Kevin Godley, yeah. And uh, actually, we'd recorded For Your Love, and it had been rejected, and that's how it got to, eventually got to the Yardbirds. But there I was, you know, in the warm-up band, and then the Yardbirds are coming on singing my song. It was fantastic. I was I was listening to that song again yesterday. That record, the Yardbirds mm. record, it's a, you can almost take it as a sort of precursor of prog rock by a few <laughs> years. It's it's kind of unusual. It's isn't un- it? unusual, all right. I mean, the idea of of it actually stopping in the middle and going into some sort of different rhythm is, I think, uh, was quite. Uh, uh, Original. Was that, that was that something you did in the original thing, or was that yeah. something the Yardbirds? No, we probably, did it. They... We did it. Right. I mean, the sim- the only similarities, the the I mean, the stroke of genius was the harpsichord, I think. But on our demo, um, there was there was an acoustic guitar, so that kind of a sort of, have a sort of similar sound to the the uh, harpsichord, but obviously not as not as good. Uh, but we did have the bongos. Right, right. But the harpsichord is what makes it sound sort of otherworldly and yeah. a bit strange, yeah. doesn't it? Brian Olga played that. Oh, oh really? Yeah. How yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. How it's such a simple, effective part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredibly right. atmospheric. Yeah. So yeah. that was your first That was your first hit. So you, yeah. you st- you're still based in Manchester? Yeah, I'm still living time. in Manchester, yeah. What about, just quickly, the groups? The, you were in a variety of groups. Oh, loads the of Crovettes, groups. The the Planets, the Whirlwinds, the High Spots. Was there, uh, just, and I love that period, which has now sort of become a kind of part of the kind of spinal tap folklore of what, what the kind of early 60s was like. But <laughs> yeah. it, it, what was that like to be part of that? But it was brilliant. I mean, all we wanted to do was just to play music. And, um, like... The boys that I was friendly with and in bands with, I mean, on on a Saturday night, we'd we'd go to clubs to see bands. That was it. And I mean, a lot of the clubs didn't have a license, so we didn't go to sort of meet girls or go 
and have a drink. It was to see the band. That was it. And position yourself and what's that amp? And look at those drums. And what's yeah. that? And what's that guitar he's got? And what's this? And what's that? And, you know, that was all we But also, obviously, a real amount of scrutiny of what people were playing. Because the Absolutely impression I got scrutiny. was, um, you know, I was really young and I can remember this, my older sisters playing all this stuff, you know, and, and, and you felt that the, the times were changing so rapidly. Yeah. You know, someone would have a hit and immediately be a great kind of rush of, uh, of movement in the direction of that hit record to try yeah. and capture whatever it is that these people were, yeah. had, had synthesised, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, I mean, you wrote some hits for the, for the Hollies at that yeah. stage too. So yeah. how did that come about? Things like Bus Stop, well, you know. That, um, was, that, was that something you just felt in the wind that this was the kind of music people wanted or was it based on something you'd already heard? Or? I was, from the age of, well, I started playing, tried to play the drums at seven, but so I got very aware of music from being seven. Then I was bought my first guitar at 11. So I'm living in an age of, like, skiffle, Lonnie Donegan. People like Lonnie Donegan were a, really an inspiration then there was Cliff and the Shadows. The Shadows, mega. Absolutely huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the Beatles. Well, like, just think about these people, how important they were to, to British music. Big, but no shadows. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never be the shadows. No Lonnie. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, funny, we had the so, Bockheads in yesterday talking just about, about Lonnie Donegan as yeah, well. I yeah, couldn't agree with Very more. important, yeah. very important. So... I always feel incredibly lucky to have been at the age I was at that particular time, in my sort of formative years, and I was absorbing everything, always completely obsessed with music, and I I still am. Um, And I was lucky in that my... um, I was terrible at school. I wasn't interested in anything academic. Uh, So my parents realised that and encouraged me with music. It wasn't like my, you know, contemporaries were going off to university or becoming yeah. solicitors or whatever they were studying law or whatever but they knew that was not going to happen for me but there's a, a, a fascinating period in about i must be about i don't know maybe 64 where where pop music seems to undergo this extraordinary change you know that the, most of the music has been mm. if this isn't a generalization is what i was saying before it's observations you know bus stop is about looking at um, yeah. suburban life isn't yeah. it you know looking through windows yeah. people looking out of windows in the street yeah and it's not about the author of the song and, and yet, That's somehow, right. a change happens. Songs used to be, she was just 17, if you know what I mean, yeah. and then they become, you know, it happened once before, uh, you know, I came to your door, no reply. You know, it's, yeah. it's a song yeah. about me. Yeah. And I don't really know what caused that. I, you know, I the don't Beatles know. always say, oh, well, Bob Dylan told us to, uh, John Lennon was told to write about himself. But, I mean, that's obviously a generalisation. Well, yeah, happened. people say that if you use I rather than they, or, you know, it, it makes it, people maybe identify with it more themselves and are more sympathetic towards it and kind of feel more in it. I don't know. And I don't actually be... analyse things so much. I, my, I just want... I just do. So I don't think... It, no, if, I if totally that understand that. We sense. are terrible old rock critics, really. You know? <laughs> I see, another thing must be that, that also that people realise that the people singing the songs in 64, 65 mm. were the, normally the people who wrote them, whereas before that they weren't necessarily. And That's so right. Think, well, that was a real a... interest in this person. Yeah. I want to know about them. Right, because it's them writing. The, the guy that's singing actually wrote the song. That's, yeah. that, that makes a hell of a difference. Right. Yeah. I've got, there's, th- there's three in a row that you, you, you wrote. I was, um, I was, it just struck me when I was looking at this yesterday. You wrote Bob stop yeah all the hollies yeah you wrote no milk today for herman's Hermits, yeah. and you wrote tally man for jeff back now it's a bit later isn't it yeah, yeah but they're uh, all kind of set in a 
You know, the notion of milk, bus stops, tally men. Tally men were people who came around right. and took your higher purchase payments, weren't they? Well, the common denominator with those songs, uh, uh, more so um, No Milk Today and Tally Man, is my father. My dad used to help me with lyrics and uh, and came up with song titles as well. I mean, he used to say to me, "Art for art's sake, money for God's sake." Did he want really? Did he want a percentage for that? Uh, I, I did look after him. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, he I'm was just, he was it's the incredible. kind of person who just came up with names. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you about my dad. He was well. He should have been a professional writer, but he didn't have a patron. At, you know, we came from a we were working class family. Uh, for him to go out on a limb like that would have been... It, it just wasn't in his character. Um, but he wrote poetry, he wrote stories, he did very well in, in amateur dramatics. But when I say amateur, they were professional productions and his writing was professional. So although... And a lot of his contemporaries were writing for Coronation Street. And I tried to push him to do that because he would have been brilliant at it. But he just... Generally, he wanted to write about things that had a Jewish interest. Right. That was his thing. But when I started writing and coming, and he would go, yeah, well, you know, that you can make that better. Or that's, He used to call himself the mechanic, like I'd bring the, the song that was sort of slightly, and, yeah, uh, slightly rusting and not running very properly. Well, there are people and who he, make a living out of doing yeah, that, don't they? Well, How it, incredible. Yeah. It can be so, more supportive. So, so, so what coming, did he do for a living? Well, he was in, he he worked in the uh, in the in the schmatter business, right, you know, in the, like the rag trade. Right. And uh, but it wasn't him at all. Right. And I, and whenever people say, "What did he do?" I say he was a writer. Really? So he was a person who came up with the idea. No milk today. That's, he, a, that's yeah. A... What happened? He went to see a friend of his who wasn't who was out. And as he turned on the doorstep, he noticed the 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 bottle uh, with the note in it. And came up with this fantastic idea about why was it no milk today? Well, think about it, you know. It's brilliant. Be- My baby's gone away. Know, yeah. yeah, the bottle... <laughs> this uh, it was poetry. I mean, this was his line. The bottle stands for lawn, a symbol of the dawn. It was just amazing. So he wrote that? Yeah, he wrote oh, it. Really? And I found that um, when I sat down, if he'd written something... It immediately suggested a melody. Really, right. that's exciting. So he must have been thrilled to see you, to see his son take yeah. his, his little bits and pieces and yeah. make something. And I was thrilled for him that, in a funny sort of way, he got successful through me. Although he didn't do, it, he should, he had a, he, he should have been successful in his own right, literally in his own right. But he, but he, he wasn't. Um, but his work is fantastic. And it's actually, really after after he died, um, between my mum and there's a, a an authoress who's recently passed away, Maisie Moscow, who had a very oh, couple right. of very big books out yeah. in the uh, in the sixties and seventies. Uh, between the three of us, we put together a um, a collection of his works because right. I wanted something tangible to say to give to people. To say I can talk about you know it's like talking about a song. Or about food? Who cares? Let's listen to it, and then, then you'll know. It's such a lovely idea. I like to think of him sort of watching <laughs> something on top of the pops and nudging his mate at the bar in the pub. Then I wrote those <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah, I helped Yeah, no, well, he did. Yeah. You've been listening to the free feed of the Word Podcast. The full album-length version is only available to subscribers to the magazine. To sign up and to hear the rest of this podcast, go to www.wordpodcast.co.uk.
podcast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Listen to this ACAST show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.